Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Opto Theology Podcast. My name is Andy Schmidt. I'm here with Pastor Nick Gibson, and we're back with another episode. We decided we we're going to do a little bit of a, a bonus episode, like I think like probably a year ago now, maybe like nine months ago, we did a bit of a bonus episode where we discussed uh, we discussed politics, a little bit of theology, a little bit of a little bit of economics, and just kind of talked about what was going on in the world and our ideas. And uh, we haven't done that in a while, and so we needed to do a brain dump and tell you guys all of our opinions on everything that's happening in the entire world right now. So that's mm-hmm. what we're gonna do in this one. It's a bonus episode. No, nothing. No, no clear agenda. Um, there's a couple topics that we want to discuss, but um, we're just gonna uh, shoot the crap. <laughs> because <laughs> it's a Christian podcast. Um, so, so okay, so Nick, you, you wanted to discuss, so before we came on to this, Nick was and I were talking about a study that you recently saw discussing why Christians are, not just Christians, but people are too stressed to function. So do you want to, you just wanted to kick us off with this study? Oh, we'll yeah. See, and we'll just move into whatever, wherever else we go. I guess, yeah. I mean, this could take up a lot of time, but um, essentially, uh, one of the things I've been looking, I've been looking at um, as I've been studying technology and its effect on culture and so on, is just like what cohorts of people, what groups of people are experiencing stress and like what levels of stress they're experiencing. Mm-hmm. And it's really kind of, um, you know, when people say there's quote a mental health crisis right now, I think we think, oh yeah, that means like people aren't really very happy. But it's actually way, 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 way worse than that. So, for example, this study that came out through the APA found that um, 27% of all adults said that most days they are too stressed to function. Okay, so the, the criteria here is I'm too stressed to function. I can't function because of how much stress there is. Okay, now 27%, that's one out of every four people, which is like a flipping lot of people. But it's way worse than that because... It's 46% for those under 35. 4-6. 46% of people under 35 reported that on most days, they are too stressed to function. What is it? Did they define what it means to function? What does it mean to function? I don't no, know. No, it's, it's what you ask the person and the thing. So it's, so there's, the person is self-defining. So, so this would be like going to work, yeah. having a productive day, doing things that are good for you, sure. fulfilling obligations to others, etc. Too stressed to function, right? And in the 35 to 44-year-old cohort, right, the slightly older one, right. so up to one year younger than me, it's 42%. Right. 4-2. Okay, now here's the, fun, the interesting thing. You go to 45 to 64, yeah. and it drops to 16%, and over 65, it drops to 4%. Hmm. So this is a very much a younger generation phenomenon. Sure. But it's not just a social media phenomenon. Because 35 to 44 year olds would not be in that category, right? And so um, 45 and up, most of those people are are probably going to be about where they're going to go in their career, mm-hmm. right? So I think some of that might be affected economically, but it's not, certainly not only economically because we've had much worse economic situations and these numbers weren't near, nearly as bad. Sure. Right. And so what people have tried to figure out why that is. Um, the study did break down the numbers by by ethnicity, by black, white, Latino, and Asian. Mm-hmm. And it's in it, four under 35. And there's not that much difference. For black yeah. adults, it was 56%. So it was higher. But for white adults, it's 46. Latinos, it's 44. And Asians, it's 43. I mean, the difference so, between black and Asian is pretty big. That's Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, only 13% on a number that's probably 40, you know, 30% right, more than right. it should be. 
<laughs> so in that sense, um, right. it's th- these are pretty startling. I mean, I, I don't think anybody expected these numbers to be this high. And um, nobody seems to be quibbling with or arguing with how, like how they came about. And remember, the wording here is completely overwhelmed. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So almost half of young people say they're completely overwhelmed by stress and that they can't function. 18 to 35. Yeah, which is which is makes up the majority of the people who listen to this podcast. I mean, that's yeah. the things that we're talking directly to them. Eight, yeah, this says almost half of people aged 18 to 35 say that they can't function anymore. That's almost half. More than half of young people say that they are completely overwhelmed by stress. Yeah. What the heck? I don't, I don't. Now, okay. So there's, so there's different theories on this, right? One is, one is just economics is very competitive right now. So Mm -hmm. people are getting squeezed economically a little bit, right? We can't afford as much as we could, Mm -hmm. but also it is like, it's a pretty competitive society. People are competing pretty hard to get to where they feel like they need to be. Right. There's also um, some discussion about, there's also some discussion about um, whether or not it's the philosophies that they're believing. So a lot of them, the more left-leaning sources don't really want to discuss that because the young young people are disproportionately leftist and they're getting more of their philosophies from universities, right, in the university setting. And so if there's a problem with the philosophy, it's a problem with left-leaning philosophies. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah, um, yeah the, I guess. Go ahead. Go yeah. Ahead. The problem is, is that there has been some research on this and it is not encouraging for people who want to say that progressive ideology leads to um, good mental health. Now, um, for example, um, the, uh, the number of people who have ever had a mental health problem. So females who identify themselves as extremely liberal, the, the percentage of them that have had a mental health problem, like a diagnosable mental health problem mm-hmm. is just North of 40%. It's about 45%, mm-hmm. which is astronomical. Mm-hmm. Right. And the margin of error is almost 25% there in terms of like what what you might think based on people's, but also for the extremely liberal men, for extremely liberal men, their rate of mental illness is about 17%, which is, a, which is twice as much as extremely conservative men. Mm-hmm. Okay. Now the lowest, however, so you might say, well, is it, do you get, does it get lower the more conservative you get? Mm-hmm. Well, in having been diagnosed with a mental illness, the lowest are the people who are dead in the middle, mm-hmm. the moderates. But mm-hmm. the next group after them are the extremely conservative. Mm-hmm. I don't know why that is. Um, but well, what is, you find it, is that the other categories – and women are almost always higher than men. W- women are just higher negative emotion than men, generally speaking. Um, and th- that's just a reality that we've dealt with for a really long time. Mm-hmm. When, it, when it comes to um, like just counseling in the last year, how many people had to go to counseling in the last 12 months, right? Mm-hmm. Um, for the extremely liberal – it was 18% of men and about 25% of women mm-hmm. just in the last 12 months. Mm-hmm. So that would be everybody over a five-year period if it was an equal distribution, just to, just to say how high that number is. Right. For the extremely conservative, it's just a little over 10%. It's 11 and 12%. For, for men? For men, for men, it's like it's like twelve percent, and for women, so so that, that's a really interesting thing. among extremely conservative people. That is the only category where there's slightly more men who had to go to counseling than women. So that might be because I I think when a lot of what men, was it for women? Wait, did you give the percentage for women? For women, in what category? In extremely conservative women. Yeah, it's like one percent lower than that. So they're really? very close to each other. Yeah, they're very close. Yeah, if they track together closely. The only places where they don't track together real closely is slightly conservative, slightly liberal, and liberal. So under liberal, 
Um, men are about sure. half the rate of women and needing counseling about 13% to about 7% and under slightly liberal. It's, it's almost identical, except the men are a couple degrees higher. Yeah. But slightly liberal, liberal and extremely liberal women are outperforming everybody else in terms of needing counseling. That is, they are more mm-hmm. unwell than any other category. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And when I, you get to moderate, moderate, slightly conservative, conservative, and extremely conservative, all of those are lower mm-hmm. than any female that ranks under liberal. Right. So, or, so then, or, or males. The question then is, well, why is this happening? Right. What's what's wrong with with the, is it something wrong with the progressive or, or more liberal ideologies or like what's going on? And and so I think. Yeah. So I have my take. But what's your. Yeah. Take? So that tracks for poor mental health days over the last 30 days. The more liberal you are, the higher those are. And that tracks right across. Extremely conservative does the best for men and and almost the best for women. It's conservative is slightly better for women than extremely conservative. Sure. Does that make sense? But yeah. the, the yeah. people doing the worst are moderate, slightly liberal, liberal, and extremely liberal. And extremely liberal is the worst. Right. Right. One right. of the interesting things is when you get to has emotional or mental disability, men who are extremely liberal are the highest at about emo- 16%. So of the of the men who have an emotional or emotional or mental disability, the percent that are extremely liberal is the highest of any category. Wow. So we won't push this too far because there was a, there was a study out not that long ago that said that Democrats were more likely to have higher levels of education. So maybe mm-hmm. that just means Democrats are smarter. And, you know, as like as a person who just is real skeptical of that kind of thing, I think that that's pretty stupid. However, I do think that what I would consider the maternalism. Mm-hmm. And the grievance-based psychology of the left in the country, mm-hmm. when you put those two things together, it makes remarkably unhappy and remarkably fragile people. Right. And what I think that's going to produce is right. just more mental problems a lot relative of stress, to stress. Yeah. yeah, but also like anger, unforgiveness. Right. Also, they're going to be like right. – I just think they're going to be worse people to be around. I also right. think that people with that kind of ideology break off relationships really precipitously. And right. so they don't have rich social networks. Right. Um, I think that there's a lot of judgmentalism. Like, like I, I mean, I was, I, I ran a little bit, not very long or very much, but I have, I have experience with fundamentalist Christians, mm-hmm. and the, my experience with fundamentalist Christians was that they were nowhere near as judgmental as um, most of the very leftist liberals that I know. What I would right. call le- leftist progressives—that is, people right. who believe in a revolutionary worldview—not just, mm-hmm. not just. Um, political policies that are on the left, but like our literally revolutionary worldview, right? Yeah. Their, their view is downstream from some form of Gramscian Marxism, so to speak. Yeah. It's grievance-based, right? Right, right. Well, okay, so- They're just, George... no, they're just very unhappy, right? Yeah. Now, now, somebody might say, listen, um, you know how there's a bumper sticker that if you're if you're not mad, you're not thinking- You're or, not paying attention. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 So some, some folks, some of these folks might say, look, this is a virtue, not a bug. Like- um, like if you're like the the world should drive you crazy. The more awake to the way the world is, you are, the yeah. more the more um, stress you should feel. So they, same may feel it. I don't think that's true. I think well, that's, that, here's a there's a fundamental problem. The fundamental problem is this: is that the way that they look at the world and what's happening in the world is fundamentally different than how most conservatives look at it. For example, a lot of liberals um, and progressives and, and the, the far, far left people especially believe that like we got like 12 years left until the world's going to end because of global warming or whatever they call it. Not yeah, I mean, that's, it's true that some young people really believe that that's fairly literally true. Well, and, th- and that's Jordan Peterson talked about that on Rogan last time he was on Rogan. He said that this like like their purpose, their like 
young people are trying to find a purpose and a goal in life. And what they're being fed yeah. is that, oh, the world's going to end in 10 years. You could save it. And that putting that amount right. of, of stress on like an 18 year old who really doesn't yeah. have the capacity to save the world, even if it was ending right. um, in 12 years is like probably playing into some of this stuff because that's really what's being talked about a lot. I mean, when you go to the yeah. mainstream news, like uh, the Atlantic, the New Yorker, even New York Times, like a lot of the stuff is it, that's being written about, talked about in the left is the catastrophe of the climate. It's just like, it's over, you know? And yeah, if you're reading that, that stuff all day. The thing that like, is interesting to me though, Andy, is that, um, so one, yeah, yeah. Jordan quotes Jean, Jean Piaget and especially his view that the late teens Early and early through late teens are a messianic phase. We people used to call it the truth phase, where you you like you're kind of in your life at this point. You're like like what's the general truth? Yeah, to live by. And when I was young, I was at the very tail end of that being an objective question. Like, what is the truth that's out there for me to know? Then mm-hmm. I can conform my life to it. Mm-hmm. Like people younger than me, in particular, but it was already happening when I was younger. Are like, no, I just need to figure out what my truth is. It doesn't have to correspond to reality. I realize if it, if it doesn't course in reality too much, I, there might be some cost for that. But the main thing is for to conform me, right? I don't even think that they would concede what you just said that it's going to cost too much. I think they would just. I don't think no. I've never heard anybody my age say anything like that. Well, I, yeah, There's I think no that they expect technology and political policy to alleviate whatever costs um, that kind of lifestyle affords. Because sure. remember, like the the anti bourgeois movement of radicalism in America mm-hmm. um, was led by cultural elites who are plenty wealthy. And yeah. so they could get divorced and like sleep with people and have illegitimate mm-hmm. children and stuff. And they had enough money to deal with it. It's mm-hmm. all everybody else that can't live by those, by those values and actually survive in their lives. And so because right. of that, the government has to sort of make you rich. That is create the safety nets mm-hmm. that the rich always already have mm-hmm. in money. Mm-hmm. And then mm-hmm. now that has to happen through the government through programs. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, so, I, I yeah, think though, ahead. if you broke down those numbers, Further, I think I think if you looked at people who are very liberal or very very progressive, and you asked if they went to church or if they were part of like this or that like close knit social club or whatever, I think you would find that they the ones that were more men- mentally troubled weren't. I think that the, like like it could produce a kind of like or or like an echo chamber. You get like a on campus. I hate to make fun of schools of social work, but I want to say that they are maybe the most leftist. If oh. I could close down. 80 to 100% of the schools of social work in America. If I was the emperor and that it was my job to make a good country, yeah. that might be one of the first things I would do. Even yeah. though my wife literally is a student at a school of social work. Uh, I, I don't know if, if anybody who listens, watches Peter Bogosian's channel, he's an atheistic guy who believes in like rationally talking about things. And he mm-hmm. did like a street discussion outside of a school of social work. And it was like, these people came out to educate him. They have no idea who he is, no idea what his credentials are, no idea what he knows. They talk to him like he's about four years old. If this one this one girl is like explaining how everything we understand about gender and sex is a complete social construct, yeah. and that he wouldn't understand that because he's old. Basically, he's like it's she's like it's a generational thing. My parents don't get it either, and he doesn't tell them that they're flipping ignorant and crazy. He just goes, "Huh, okay," and they're like, "Well, we hope we hope we educated you." I mean, they're just like the level of sophomoric ignorance where people think they know something and they know nothing is, is astounding. And so like, but I listen to those kind of conversations and they like, they're demoralizing. Okay. So here's the point I was gonna make before. Well, real quick, before you make, I just want to, I want to say that you made the point about, about like the ultra progressives, but I, I, I know this was taken in, this seems like it's from 2022. Mm -hmm. Um, I, I actually think that 
the alt-right, far-right, I, I don't want to call them conservatives, but Republicans who think that they're conservatives, uh, the Trump Republicans who are who don't have much moral uh, backbone and stuff like that. Like, I think that those people are not going to be far behind on 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 these types of rankings and stuff like that, you know, because they their their worldview, at least the ones that I know of, their worldview is very catastrophic. Like if Trump doesn't if 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 Trump doesn't win and if the Republicans don't get into office, it it, like we're all going to die and be killed. And that's like their attitude. That's like if, if their savior, if their guy doesn't get in, it's over. And now I think that they have a, they're like more closely tied to some moral values and some things like that. So that maybe it'll take them a, a little bit longer to get to the point where the progressives are at right now. But I don't think that they're too far behind. Like I, I, I think that maybe in five years we'll be seeing a study like this. And it says the people on the far left and people on the far right are both at basically the same same place as far as stress and and mental health yeah. goes maybe we'll yeah see. if you if you scroll down the study a little bit further i think to page 13 though they have it listed by decades and the scale on it demonstrates that conservatives are basically where everybody else was in the 70s 80s 90s 2000s and 2000s and 10s gotcha and then for some reason um in the 2010s it's like and later, it's kind of like it seems like it's jumping because of social media. Yeah, I mean, partly. Yeah, I mean, younger cohorts are going to use that more. I, I think social media is a big part of it, but the social media is driving some kind of way of thinking. And well, I think that, no, that no. kind of way of thinking is catastrophic. And I think for liberals, if you think of yourself as more connected to the collective, then if the collective is blowing up, you're blowing up. I think for a lot of conservatives, because I totally agree, and that was the point I was going to make, is that on the on the ex- extreme right, so to speak, in America. It is very like the sky's falling, like the right. Democrats are basically right. fascists and they're going to they're going to take right. over and kill it. Like it's it's really it's really bad. Um, and I don't know why that doesn't produce a similar level of mental health problems. Yeah. Right. Oh, I, I, I don't know if we have enough uh, enough data. Yeah. I mean, I, maybe we maybe we do. But it feels like it feels like it would produce the same thing, the same amount. Mm-hmm. I also think that. The, to the social media point, I, I don't necessarily know if it's the ideas that are being pushed on social media as much as it is like the volume. So like maybe the idea is shallow, like maybe the idea that the world is going to end in five years because of global warming is shallow. That's like mm-hmm. doesn't have much depth to it. But if that's all you see, maybe like if you see that like three to five times a day for every day for like seven years, I don't know, like if you just see that headline every every day. I think it. I think it's just sheer volume. I just think it's all people are seeing. I don't think that they're actually like looking into it and f- figuring out whether these ideas have have any sort of gravity or depth to them. I think that they're just. Mm-hmm. It's just. It's like. It's like social media is just as if there was just billboards in front of your face all day long. Yeah. Like that's just what it is. And so, like for the in the seventies, eighties, nineties, two th- early two thousands, people didn't have to deal with constant crap in their face all the time unless they turned the TV on or they were driving down the street yeah. and they oh, saw I totally agree with that. I, t- I totally agree that like the infusion of all digital, I mean, social media is one version of it, but like all digital stuff. Like I think that right. there's some conservatives driving themselves crazy on Fox news, just like there's some liberals that do it on like MSNBC or CNN. Oh, yeah. Right. Yeah. There's lots of ways to drive ourselves crazy, but I, I do think that, that the, um, the invasiveness of it that is like in our pocket, it's with us all the time. In fact, we can actually like when we're nervous or we're anxious, we can pull out our phone and access yeah. more of that stuff is, is pretty awful. Right. You know, 
Um, but I, I do think that there's also there's also pretty substantial personality differences between people who are liberal and conservative. And yeah. to be high in openness, right. like people who are more high in openness, more highly artistic, more highly fluid in their personality structures, they tend yeah. to be more liberal, right? And so if you're the kind of person who's like more likely to be a non-conforming sexuality, you're more likely to be like highly artistic and blah, blah, blah. The likelihood that you're going to – a lot of that comes from being more sensitive and having a more right. fluid personality. That's And that literally means like not being as stable as a person, right? Like, yeah. Like having that fluidity means you're, it's like a kind of instability, but kind of like you're hoping it's sort of a good kind. Yeah. And so if you're in a world that feels unstable and your personality is a little bit unstable, mm-hmm. it could be that just like the stress of that is more. And so then it wouldn't necessarily correlate with your political view. It would correlate with your personality with type. your temperament. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Because, because you could like, if, you, if I took a really sensitive kid and I took like a not sensitive kid who just likes roughing around and stuff like that. And I took them right. to like a riot. <laughs> one of them might be like, this is cool. And the other's like, oh my gosh, we're going to die. Right. And it like, it's, it's really their time, like their time, what they're bringing into it. This is right? what this it, might be telling us is that the, that the differences in temperament and personality are becoming more polarized. Like I, I bet uh-huh. at some point historically, I, I mean, I don't know if I, I don't have any data to, to back this up. I'm sure there might be some, but like, I'm sure maybe 50 years ago, the, the, the average liberal and the average conservative we're going to, yeah, they'll have this, they'll have similar temperament differences, but they won't be so extreme. Right. Like, so if they went to like a riot, maybe both of them would, would be like, yeah, this is really messed up. And also I don't feel like I'm going to die. Like, like there might be some of that and they just would kind of, there'd be a variation within the middle of that spectrum. That, that people would kind of lie in different parts. I, I don't know if that's true. Yeah, I don't have yeah. any data for that. But it seems like in recent times, people have become more polarized as far as their their temperament goes and personality types go. And so, yeah. Well, I think it's, I also think it's just like, it's less humility, right? When you have access to all that stuff coming in your phone and everybody tells you you're supposed to have an opinion, right. you almost feel like you've got to have one. I think yeah. for a and, long time, yeah. I mean, I remember talking to older people in years past when I was younger. And they just like didn't care to have an opinion about everything, you know. Yeah, you think that's okay? I, that kind of pisses me off. Yeah, no, I do. I think it's. I think it's. I think it's actually superior because you really? don't. I mean, how much do we really know about half the crap we talk about? That's true, right? Like, I, like I try to find something out. I want to, you know, I, I do my work and like, but but like, I'm. I mean, I'm not literally an intellectual, but like, I have more like graduate hours of education than most people with PhDs, you know, like, and yeah. I. Like I've, I've been a thought person my whole life. I've read thousands and thousands of books and hundreds right. of thousands of pages. I still don't know what to think about half the crap I'm working on. You know, I, I like, I look at this stuff and I'm just like, right. man, it could be like 15 things. And the more, you know, the more, the more you know about what can change the, the truth on something that it's not as simple as like, Oh, it's this one thing. Right. Yeah. 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 So I, I, I think get people that. not having opinions on things is actually pretty virtuous. Ultimately what we all do in democracies anyway is deciding who we trust more. We just vote for that person. Well, when you say don't have not having opinions on things, you're, you're not saying not having opinions on anything, but not having opinions on everything. Right. I, I mean, I feel like I feel like opinions are like jet skis. They're really fun to have, but they take they take maintenance. Yeah. And so you got to maintain this thing. Right. Right. Um, yeah. And as a guy who's 45. I mean, I just find I, the, the more things you get, the more those things have you and the more things in your life you're trying to maintain and the more complicated and difficult it makes your life. And it's just not worth it. And so yeah. at some point you realize I really have to simplify. And I, yeah. one of the ways to simplify things mentally is to just decide you're not qualified to have like major views on certain things. 
but you've decided I'm going to, I'm going to vote for or trust this person, this person, and that person mm-hmm. until I have good reason to believe otherwise. And I'm just going to vote for them because that's all I'm going to do anyway. Mm-hmm. Right. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, that makes sense. I think, um, I guess I, we should talk a little bit about I, when we're talking about conservative and liberal temperament and how people inter- like how people are interacting with their stress and stuff like that. Um, I, one thing that's been frustrating to me lately that I've talked about and I think was just I was reminded of this past week was the current state of the conservative Republican Party. Mm-hmm. And I feel like putting conservative and Republican in the same like putting those two things together right now doesn't feel like it's actually very truthful. Like I don't think that we that the Republicans are very conservative, um, and I don't think that true conservatives can really be Republicans anymore. Um, like this last week, Nikki Haley, who was Trump's, uh, what did she do for Trump? I can't remember. Secretary um, of State. Secretary of State. Who is? I think she's governor of South Carolina, or was governor she of was. South Carolina? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So DeSantis, like uh, Disney filed a lawsuit against DeSantis because DeSantis is fighting back against some of the trans stuff that they're doing um, in Florida. And Nikki Haley, the Republican, is like, hey, well, you, D- Disney, we won't we won't penalize you for that stuff. You guys can come to, to South Carolina and we'll support you and all that crap. And so I guess my question is, what, for, I guess from your perspective, Nick, what is I guess what do you see as the current state of conservatives, conservatism and as republicanism and and how do we like how should christians who want to be a true conservative and not just a republican think about political ideas and and, and policy because as far as i'm concerned nikki haley is not a republican or a conservative in their truest sense she's she's a, a liberal like i mean maybe even progressive like that stance to me is like as progressive as it gets supporting companies who are like totally okay with transgenderism and like pushing that on little children to me is like as perverted and morbid as you can pro- probably get other, there's some more messed up stuff that you can do, but that's, that's pretty far out there. Yeah. So I, I I'm not familiar enough with the lawsuit. I mean, I know DeSantis and Disney have been at it for a while there, Yeah, um, they, but I'm not familiar with the exact thing that's going on. Um, mm-hmm. And I, I think that Florida has taken a couple of missteps because part of this too is not just, what you'd want to do, but in a democracy like ours, you, there, there is a question of the politically possible, right? Mm-hmm. So there's a number of people who believe that the, the six-week abortion law in Florida was too aggressive and that it's likely to create a backlash, whereas a 12- or 14-week law would have stood and been really well – and would have been broadly accepted. And so I'm kind of torn on that because I'd like the abortion law to be zero weeks. Like, like ethically, I think it should be zero weeks, right? But like in terms of – in a country that's pretty divided on this, because though people believe abortion is wrong it, in a majority, mm-hmm. it is not a majority of people who think it should be outlawed for everyone all the time. That's actually a significant minority. There's a lot of people when they go to the voting booth, they're like, well, I think abortion is bad, but I'm not going to outlaw it. And in a country where that's the political reality, um, I think that Republicans are going to have to say, okay, what if we're in the ascendancy on something, let's get the thing that we have built the consensus around, which is where abortion is not a, a constitutional mandate and it, it should be limited reasonably even by the, by the lights of all kinds of people, not just Bible believing Christians and, and Roman Catholics and Orthodox people, right? Which would have been something like a, a 14 week ban or something like that. Now I still think that that's will allow for like horrific infanticide, but it could cut out 40% of it in one fell swoop and not, 
hand over the entire government to the Democrats for 25 years or allow them to run on that like crazy. They're going to try to hang that around DeSantis's neck and choke him to death with it in the in the general. Right. And so I think what Haley's trying to do, because I'm let me just be show my cards here of the Republican possibles. I like Haley. Really? I like Nikki Haley. I think she I think she would destroy Biden. And I think that her presidency would be pretty good. I think it would be pretty much the right. My, my only issue is I want to see a list of the judges that she's going to appoint. That's what I want to know. But policy-wise, she has, she has good experience running as an executive. And she was our Secretary of State and had good foreign policy. And so, like, I actually – I like Nikki Haley, frankly. So – and she's got, I, she's got fewer negatives than almost anybody. And when not, she's put like, up against Biden in polls, she wins. You think she'll do well against DeSantis? I don't know. See, I think and what's going to happen, here's what's going to happen. With Haley and DeSantis both in the race, they're going to suck up each other's oxygen. Trump's going to get the nomination. That's what's going to happen. No, uh, dude, I don't want to hear that. <laughs> yeah, that's I the thing. Because don't. the thing is, is, like Trump won last time because he had about 20% support. But because there were like 16 other candidates, nobody could get more than about 7%. And nobody wanted to drop out. Everybody wanted everybody else to drop out. So they played this stupid game of chicken all the way through, right? So remember the guy from Ohio? I can't remember his name, but he was like the governor of Ohio. He was polling at about 10%. He, he hadn't won a single state. If he had pulled out like a month earlier, Ted Cruz would have got the nomination. Mm-hmm. Trump wouldn't even been the nominee. Mm-hmm. And I think he probably would have won. And I don't know what would have happened, Right. Because Cruz think, won Wisconsin. Yeah. If he would have won three more states or something like that, he would have he would have been a contender for the nomination. But he couldn't do it because this guy from Ohio wouldn't drop out, even though he was like polling at twelve percent. All right. my Democrat friends liked him. You know what I'm saying? But like, yeah. he wasn't a contender, and neither was Marco Rubio. Neither was hardly anybody. But they all right, stuck right. in there, you know. And so it's going to have. And so Trump's strong enough now that if he that if they play him anything but one on one, he's going to win. Because people just the, the Republican voters who like him, like the like, there's two kinds of people that are going to vote for him. There's people who, well, three maybe. One, they think he'll give good judicial nominees again, and that's all they care about. Mm-hmm. Two, people who think that he's um, he it really is amazing. And mm-hmm. three, people who think that he was treated abominably by the press and the government and the country. And he deserves to win again because of the injustice of how he was treated. And I think all things being equal, I agree with Peter Robinson that he was sinned against more than he sinned. And he was a great big sinner. Mm-hmm. He sinned a lot. Mm-hmm. But that still doesn't blind me to the fact that he was sinned against more than he sinned. And no, I would I, love the press and mm-hmm. Capitol Hill and all of them to pay for it. I right. love that. But I don't, yeah. I don't think that this is the way to do it. I think if a Republican is elected president, that's punishment enough. You know? And so, I, yeah, yeah, I think that DeSantis would be much better for the country. Though, to be honest with you, Andy, I don't, I don't see big downsides to Trump's – see, the, the issue is, is like no, it's no, hard, no, it's I, hard I, to point I'm out what you. was bad in his administration. No, no, there's nothing it, bad in his administration. Here, here's what my frustration is with Donald Trump. I, I, look, I think he's one of the best presidents – probably I'll ever experience in my entire life as far as policy goes, as far as the economy goes for uh, foreign affairs, judicial like appointments, judicial appointments. Yeah. He, he made gigantic impacts on, on the world and it was, and on the yeah, United and his States. Foreign was policy fantastic. wasn't bad. I mean, no, there were some was things good. that maybe weren't was, perfect, yeah. but like 
Yeah. I mean, he got really, other countries paying speaking, their share on stuff. Exactly. Right. And nobody was right. rattling sabers or crossing exactly. borders when he right. was in power. Right, right. No, okay. So I and agree with that. And he took back all the ISIS stuff. Like, people forget, like, ISIS had taken over the middle, yes. like, in the Middle right. East, like, area area bigger than right. Texas. Right. Look, and people dude, were if, like, oh, whatever. You know, what's the, it's like, that is a huge failure. Right, right, right. And I, and I'm with, if, if Trump, if Trump's wins, I'm fine. Like, I'm, I'm, this is great. I think we're going to do, do really well for another four years. Here's I what it, I'm, I think culturally undermines what conservatives are trying to produce, which is to draw people back to a moral vision of America. Exactly. I think that's the first problem. He doesn't stand for that. That's the first problem. The second problem is that, is that Trump's like, what is he almost 80? He might be 80 by the time. And the, it like, there is something to letting the next generation come in and like furthering the mission through the next generation that if Trump's the last guy that we have, because if DeSantis doesn't win this time around and he, then, you know, because then he's done, I think he's done being governor in like 2026 or maybe even in 2024 of, of Florida. So he's not going to like having those two years off before the next election that can kill you. Like as a politician, you know, he's not, what, what else is he going to do for those two oh, years? Oh, you mean he's like his stock is relevant. high right now? Yeah. His stock no, he's not going to re- He beat, he no, beat no, no, Charlie Crisp by 20 he's points. Done. He's done. He can't run again. Oh, he'll have served twice. Yeah. He'll have served oh, twice. Oh, I see. So you're saying his stock is high right now. His stock Dude, is he high. He needs to they, ride it. Right. And then, yeah. and then if we can have him win and he can play, he can be just a more statesman version of Trump and do a, a really well. I think he could do, I mean, maybe not just as good yeah. of a job on everything just, else, but he just seems a little less narcissistic and just more disciplined. He might be as narcissistic and just not show it. He doesn't show it. Yeah. But he stays, he's, he is way more disciplined than Trump. So what I think DeSantis is better for the future of Republicanism and conservatism. And oh, yeah, that, that's my, that my argument is not that I think Trump is like, going to be a bad president. I'm fine with him if he wants to become president. What, what I'm trying to, what I want, what I'd like is for us to kind of k- kill two birds with one stone. Have, mm-hmm. have like the, the power that like Trump, like the, the very strong Republicanism that Trump was and with the economy, with foreign affairs, with judicial appointings and things like that. I think DeSantis would do very similar, if not better work. And Draw draw that out for maybe eight years instead of four, because after Trump, that's the second term. Then we got to go back through this whole thing again. And after Trump, if DeSantis' stock isn't high, who's the next guy? Who's next up? I have no idea. Yeah, I don't know who's coming up the pipeline. Yeah, do you think Newsom's going to jump in on the Democratic side? If he does, I think he'd be a. I think Newsom could. They should pick him. They should take him because oh, Newsom absolutely. is is a he's like the Obama he's like the new Obama in the sense oh, that he, he's, I mean you you mean that as an exaggeration you just mean younger a it's younger a, it's, it's, it's a, yes obviously yes, I would be like he's no he's no Obama he's, he's a white dude okay he, no no what I mean by that is he can formulate a sentence and he's good at motivating oh, yeah, like people he speaks, yeah. Yeah, yeah he speaks but well President, like, President Obama I mean one of the one of the geniuses of his run for office is he had no record. Just like yeah. no record at all. Yeah. And so there wasn't a lot to hang around his neck. You know what I right, mean? Right. Whereas right. What, Newsom, what is Newsom's? Well, Newsom has all that stuff from COVID to hang around his neck, like that he was out right. at a restaurant and all that stuff. And yeah. he, and like his That's state true. has That's lost, a, has lost like yeah. thousands of people in population yeah. while he's been the governor. Yeah. They've got all kinds yeah, of, look. they have environmental catastrophes yeah. going on. There's just so yeah. much to point out about what's wrong with California right, right now. No, the, the the reason I said that I that he's the next Obama or he feels like Obama is, is mostly because I don't think the liberals care at all about people's economic or environmental failure. Like they don't give a crap. Like like they're going to take their guy. Like the fact that they took Biden 
over Trump tells me that these guys aren't that the the left is not really interested in uh like in policy and in how people are actually do how people have actually done and their record and things like that like like Biden was just a terrible 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 pick and he's proved to be absolutely horrible his approval ratings are like horrific and that's by Who, left Biden? left yeah, oh, they're terrible. They're like forty percent, like like thirty percentiles. Yeah, and, and that's by like NBC. But it's like the, I, re- but like I remember when, um, like I remember when um, President Bushes were in the thirties. So I mean, like it's low, but it's like I mean, it's it's thirty seven percent. It's not as bad as Congress, right? I mean, isn't Congress still in the twenties or very low thirties? Let's see. Congress approval ratings. Um, 2023 is 18%. That's bad. Yeah, 18, I mean... 18%. You know. Biden's 37%. I mean, it's not as good as... I think Trump's was higher. Right? I mean, at, at I this don't remember. point... Yeah. It, yeah, I mean, his high point that he, he reached several times in 2020 was 49%. Low point was 34% in 2021. Trump's average approval rating during his presidency was 41%. So we'll see. I mean... We'll see how that shapes up. But I, I think um, I guess my argument against Trump is not that I think Trump is the I mean, I, I do think he's made some really terrible decisions in his in his candidacy already. Yeah. And like just unnecessarily going up, like going at DeSantis and bashing him and trashing him just because he sees him as a threat. And like some of this, like his strategy of like only communicating through truth social which we know that nobody freaking uses that and it doesn't actually and like it doesn't work and it's full of bots and like i think he's hurting himself on some of those things i'd be okay if he won but i really want i want the republicans to try to try for once to think for the future and i also think i want i would like for us to to remember what we were saying in 2022 was going to be a red wave ended up being kind of a blue like not a, not a blue wave but like yeah like it certainly trickle. was not a red red wave and that and that's yeah, just and most of those of the candidates fact- were so do, what do you believe about that do you think that there was like did you think it was like people no here's wanting to protect abortion or do you think it was no. the trump everything trump, trump touched turned to lead that's or- true yes that's true but here's what happened the abortion thing and the trump thing is true but here's what happened and this is what no no republicans would take into consideration was at in 2022 and now in 2024 over 50 percent of voters are millennial gen zers for the first time in american history they're not gen xers and boomers anymore and so the people that are making the, the majority voters in america that are making the decisions are my generation and the generation above me the millennials and they're super 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 progressive they like they like the conservatives are liberals, and so yeah. they're just they just the Republicans t- have no idea what's coming coming out of the public school system and what's actually now the Democrats' long term plan of so my generation. This is part of the, this is part of the long march. This is yeah. like as much as anything. Yeah, yeah, and that's why I don't. I'm like. It was part of me is like, I don't even know why I care about the next election because I don't know if Republicans are going to win for the next 30 years because my generation is so embedded and steeped in in this progressive ideology. And it's not and like the conservatives of my generation are still pretty liberal. And so I just don't see like I, I, I that that's what I think happened. And I think this is the first wave of that. And I think we're going to Republicans are going to continue to be like. They're going to keep asking these questions like, well, how, like, like, yeah, apparently the voters want to vote against their best interest. And it's like, yeah, well, that's because that's all they were taught to do from the age of six years old for 40 hours a week for like 20 years. I don't know what to tell you like that. And then you get social media. So it's not like they know how to vote for their own interest because they don't even know what's good for them. That's what I think happened. Yeah, I was watching a video. uh, 
one of those videos by Peter Bergosian where he's having like a sidewalk conversation about trans athletes. Mm -hmm. And there were these, these three women who came up and they were arguing like the trans athletes should be able to play and, you know, male trans athletes should be able to play women's sports. And they, they argued, they, they like gave reasons for why they thought that for a while. And and they were actually not, not bad. I mean, they did a pretty good job. I thought of arguing for it, even though I I disagree with their position for the most part. Even though it's like a man playing in women's sports, like, like ignore that. Yeah. They had a guy. But there was, there was one point where they were not winning. Yeah. And you could see them kind of shut down emotionally. Yeah. Yeah. And just go, look, why are you? And this is, I, I found this is what they, this is what they'll do. They say, why are you asking this question? Why are you doing this? Yeah, I know. And, and the answer, because I'm curious, I want to have a conversation about this. Yeah. That's not a sufficient answer. It's like, no. what are you advocating for? Yes, exactly. Because they believe, they don't believe in pursuing a conversation. Yeah. They believe in, right. the, you already know the truth. You should, or you're not educated. You're ignorant. Yeah. And we're supposed to be advocating for something. And you're not right. advocating for it. So you're a bad person. Right. I'm not going to play you with you. Right. You're a homophobe. You're a transphobe. Right. Or whatever. Right. right. Your, your question is actually a statement in some yeah. way. And, and that's, yeah, that's the problem. Yeah. And I don't, and I said this when I was on the campaign in 2020. It's, it's really hard to, is it really hard to campaign to people like that? Because that what they've been told is here's what you believe. And yeah. if somebody comes against that, you, you here's how you down. don't yeah. listen. Here's how right. you shut down. Here's how yeah. you call them names. Here's right. how you, they're and, trying to hurt you. They're trying to ruin you. And yeah. that's what they tell you. So yeah, that's for somebody I like me this. that grew up when that was not cool, a cool way to treat people. Right. I like, I naturally hear that person. I go, Oh, you're a charlatan. Hmm. You're a liar. You're ignorant. You're right. trying to control me. You're trying to right. make me into a Stalinist youthful, you like useful idiot right. as they were called yeah. in communism. Yeah. And the young and the students are always in those movements. They're always the useful right. idiots. Right? Right. right. And I, but like I'm old enough and I was from a stream where I, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't get taken up into that. But now like our younger people, they just have no, no, that's all we know. They have no access to education that's all we know. that would right. counter any of this stuff. And, and like, listen, I believe, you know, you know, I mean, I believe in certain, things that would be considered liberal or progressive. Yeah. But I also am like historically connected to what a lot of these views actually did mm-hmm. in real life in the 20th century in particular. Mm-hmm. And I'm just like, I'm sort of like vaccinated against the extremes of them. Right. We're not. Yeah, we're not. And, and, and it's actually surprising. We're not even vaccinated against what happened in 2001. And the, like, it seems like that's been totally forgotten in my generation. 2001, uh, like uh, September, 11th. September 11th. Yeah. Like they don't care. Like I remember by the time I was Me- in middle meaning school, that the people in the world that say they want to kill you and hate your way of life probably do. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Correct. Yeah. That, that's why it was okay. That's why Obama was a saint for letting all these people into the United States from that area where that's the case. And so, and nobody really pushed back against him. And I, when I was, in, I bet by the time I hit middle school, we just stopped talking about nine eleven. We just stopped talking about it. It was like, like my dad and I would watch something like every year, but at school we stopped talking about it. Nobody talked about it anymore. And I yeah. was like, this seems like it's too, I was only, it was only 15 years later, 16 years later. I was like, this seems like it's too, we're too close to this major catastrophic event for us to just stop talking about it to a bunch of kids in the school who should probably know about this thing. Yeah. So yeah. I, I, th- I think people underestimate, I think the Republicans for, and I said this in 2022, they've underestimated and just overlooked my generation come and the millennials coming in who are who, who like their their spectrum their political spectrum is already way more left than what maybe yours generation was in the boomers you guys maybe actually had a political spectrum maybe it was like here's conservatism and here's liberalism my my generation's spectrum is 
conservatism is like not believing in transgenderism or something like that. Like I don't that's like that's the the extent that it can go and even there it's like not many people actually believe that transgenderism is bad. Yeah. And prog- and progressivism is like yeah, full on Marxist like up uprooting of the government and killing all of the politicians and the workers class running Yeah, everything. I mean I I remember not that long ago when if if you were I mean people still don't like embrace the title Marxist. Mm-hmm. But th- there's a while where people like they had some sense of moral gravity of like what it meant. Bro, that is not true. People in my generation are totally embracing the, the title Marxist. There's full media companies being built. I have a friend who's helping run called MidwesternMarks.com. They get thousands and thousands and thousands of people watching their stuff and, and going to their website. All yeah, Gen that's Z. Really sad. Oh, man, and they so and they sad. call themselves Leninist Marxists. That's oh, what they, they call Leninist themselves. Even. Yeah, yeah, yeah. My friend calls himself a Leninist, and and, and I'm like, bro, what about the millions and millions? No. No, no, that's all misinterpreted history. Everything's misinterpreted. That's all wrong. That didn't happen. Misinterpreted. Like, what is the positive interpretation way. of a hundred million dead people? No, there's. It didn't happen that way, man. It was because of the alt right. What? I, it's just all these arguments are insane. They didn't even have. Yeah, it's like hard to have a conversation. I'm like, okay, so okay, yeah, I guess go ask the person whose grandpa is dead because they fought in that war and ask them like you know go then go ask the other. Uh, you know, 50 million people whose grandpas are dead because of that. Like, I don't know. I, I don't know at what point the reality sinks in. Do we have to get nuked before that sinks in? I don't know. But that's, I think that the Republican Party has absolutely no clue of what the generation is coming in after them. And the liberals have put this whole whole thing together in the public school system and they're they're pumping them out. And I, I give them props because they, they're getting what they wanted and they put together a long-term plan and they, and they absolutely ex- executed it. And nobody pushed back against public schools. Nobody. I never heard any solid pushback against public schools for like 200 years. Nobody yeah, ever pushed back. Well, well, yeah. This, one of the things that's, uh, that's kind of sad about this is I remember in the late 1990s, like there was a movement in evangelicalism that said basically, look, since the 60s, um, secularists, un, like irreligious secularists have been kind of like marching through the – they call it the long march through the institutions, I think it is, mm-hmm. right? Where they like infiltrate all the institutions and change them, right? And they're like, basically, we have to do that now. Like, mm-hmm. we have to like get really good educations and go into the institutions, and really try to change them. But mm-hmm. I, I don't think people were grounded enough because they, a lot of people who did that, they either went out and they were silent, or they like they got co-opted. Well, here, here's the thing: is I, I think this is true, and maybe we can talk about this. I, I actually don't think that you can go into the institution created by the government and change it because people who are connected to the government, if their entire sense of income, their entire sense of security, their entire worldview is all is shaped by the state, they're going to be, they're going to naturally be committed to the state. And so how, how can, if you go into it and that's where all, if that's what, where your nurturing is coming from, I guess, if that's where your money is coming from and your, your down payment on your home and all that stuff, and you can support your family through that, you're going to advocate through it, even if it's subconscious and you think that you can go in there. If you think that you can go into the public school system and advocate for anything other than the state, you're stupid because the state is going to pay for everything that you have. And you're subconsciously going to feel some sort of attachment emotional attachment to it and you're you're only going to advocate against it until it comes to you and then you're going to advocate for it and i think that that's yeah. a fundamental principle that republicans don't understand yeah no, i mean listen organizational incumbency is a huge issue for all all parties right 
I mean, it's one of the reasons why why Republicans restarted what was called pork spending or like disc- mm-hmm. discretionary spending to get what they wanted, right? Because incumbents yeah. have the ability to keep things the same and keep the money streams yeah. running the way they are, right? Right. And those perverse incentives exist in almost any organization, but they're especially bad in organizations that have supreme power, like the government, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I l- listen. I yeah. I'm I'm against that, and I think Democrats are more. Mm-hmm. embedded with that because they are supported by the public sector unions mm-hmm. and they their views um encourage large government bureaucracies mm-hmm. but but everybody everybody has their hand in that pie right. right because like i mean that's why there are some people now and and I, I tend to believe this view a little bit more probably than mm-hmm. than maybe a politicized view which is that the government is just elites mm-hmm. and they're perpetuating their own power and the 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 pig trough of money that they gulp out of, right? And they don't really care all that much which side is what, as long as the, as long as they still take home what they want to take home. Especially, that's the, the massive increases in the, in the personal wealth of of people in Washington. Now that's not true for everybody. I don't think Ron Johnson, for example, the senator here right. in Wisconsin. I mean, he he's he said publicly, even though his wealth has increased, he's like not any faster than it did when I was in the private sector. Or right. we expect I, from basic investments, which I, I think, think is the case. Yeah, I also think that's generally the case, but not for like that's that's the case, especially for career politicians, people who are like like th- there's some people, and it's very few and far between, who are trying to go and, and run and stay for four years. Like when I was with Scott, Scott Jensen, his goal was to to run, win. He would he would only be governor for four years. He wasn't going to do another run. He wasn't going to do another term. And then he was going to give, give it over to his Lieutenant governor uh, to yeah. run on the party's behalf. And I think there's some people like that, but yeah, the vast majority of people are not uh, in, in politics are not interested in um, they're, they're, they're generally yeah. playing the same game. They're not like interested in actually defending their side of, yeah. of the aisle. Yeah, I I, th- I think it is complicated. Like somebody like Ron Johnson, who who this is his second term in the Senate, so he's been there for more than six years, right? right. And I, I think part of the issue is like, man, everything is so embedded that it takes mm-hmm. forever to get anywhere. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I would suspect that if I ran for Senate and I got elected, let's say I ran on a Democratic ticket, I got elected, went to the Senate, I'm figuring it's going to take me three years to just figure out what the flip is going on. Yeah, right. Like right. who do you talk to and where does that money come from and what office is this and right. like all that crap. And then after like three, maybe four years, I'm like, okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna do this or I'm gonna do that. I might have had this little pet mm-hmm. project, that little pet project, but now I'm really starting right. to operate. Right. Run for another term. You know, like it's it's like fifteen years before you're like really rolling. Right. You know? Right. And plus with like the election cycles and just how much money you have to raise, like I've heard people say that the people on the representative side of the aisle, they just never stop campaigning. No. How can they? It, 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 to be a Democrat, it takes like $50 million. Like you can't – like the Democrats are getting uh, – they call them Zuckerbucks now or something, right? That Yeah, yeah. The, the amount of money that you have to raise is absurd to, to win, especially if you're a Republican or yeah. claim to be one. I mean the Zuckerbucks are for our voter turnout bucks, right? What What do you mean by the voter turnout bucks? The, the, my understanding of the phrase Zuckerbucks came from – I don't know if Molly Hemingway is the person who coined it, but she wrote the book Rigged about the election where she explained the yes, difference between yeah. an election stolen and an election that's rigged. Yeah. And the idea was is that Zucker so the Zuckerberg, right, like his family gave mm-hmm. enormous amounts of money for voter turnout, not for Democrats, mm-hmm. but for voter turnout. Sure. But more than 90% of that money was spent in highly democratic counties. Yeah. So for every 
like for every 10 votes you got to quote turn out that otherwise wouldn't have yeah. eight of those votes you could reliably expect to be democrat votes so yeah, by, yeah, by yeah, focusing yeah. where the money goes right. you can massively increase the number of democratic votes right by yeah. by doing voter turnout and so yeah and then you spend like three or four percent in the, in the republican districts and you say look I, I i'm this great philanthropist i helped with voter turnout but what you really right. did was you literally paid with millions of dollars to swing the election for the democrats yeah and hemingway talks about that specifically in, in georgia and how how effective that was as a policy in georgia okay i still have a hard time i i know that you think that's messed up but i still have a hard time believing it like if i was a billionaire believing it happened or believing that that's messed up oh believing that it's uh, is messed up. I think it definitely oh. happened. Um, you think it's just like uh, all's fair and love like, and war kind of like it's, I mean, if it's not illegal, then it's legal and it is what it is. Yeah. Look, if I was a, here's the problem. I know Republican billionaires who are so egotistical, like the thing that the left is good at, and this is because they're all postmodernists and they don't actually all believe in anything. They all just believe in whatever. Not they to speak believe in, in too day. broad a brush strokes, but yeah. <laughs> uh, they, they, what they're good at is like, throwing like the, their party can can move like they they have a lot of movement and a lot of continuity like like there's a lot of continuity around the fact that they just hate the the republicans so that they could just put money towards getting rid of the republicans then great they don't really care what the policies are sometimes whereas i know republican billionaires who won't give money to do the same thing that zuckerberg is doing that they could be be affecting the elections in those ways yeah. And like, yeah, maybe they don't have as much money, but they could be doing it at the local level and at the state level. And they're not going to do it because they're the Republican guy that they think that is running on their ticket isn't as Republican as they want them to be or doesn't believe the exact specific little things. And so it's a very petty game. And so for me, I'm like, look, I actually am not I don't have a problem with the billionaires having that much of a say in what happens because they're billionaires and they're freaking rich and they should be able to do that because they work their way up to the top. And the problem right now is not that there's billionaires doing that. There's not that leftist billionaires doing that. It's that Republican billionaires can't get their stick out of their butt and work together and for the greater good. And so if we want to keep taking L's, then just keep that stick in your butt. I That's my take i i don't i've just i'm like yeah there's there's always going to be that spectrum of like billionaires down to like people like me who are not billionaires and so yeah but but you don't think that kind of money sloshing around like that in election cycles is perverse okay here's what i think if you're a billionaire like like zuckerberg or the uh, owners of google or something like that and you employ you know fifty thousand people or a hundred thousand people like your 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 government is bigger than some guy. Like I, you're like the way that you, I guess the way that I look at it is that. So you think it's cool if like the CEOs of super companies are pouring multi millions of dollars into elections, in which we know, the average voter does not know what's happening, and we also know that it is literally making the difference in the outcome of the of the election. So, okay, so here's what I think. I think that it is legal and therefore like if we're going to have a legal conversation of whether that should be legal or not, maybe that's a different conversation. But if it is legal, what I'm saying is the Republicans should be doing it too, which I think would even the playing field. But what I think would happen if the Republican billionaires were doing the same thing, I think that there actually would be less disinformation and there'd be more information on both candidates and things would even out a little bit and the voters would actually be more informed. I just think the Republicans are too arrogant and stuck up to to put their money towards that because their their guy isn't as perfectly Republican as they want them to be. And that's the problem with conservatism 
is that if you're not exactly what I want, you're not with me. And so, yeah, I think I, I think I am. And this is maybe, so this is, this is, this will be a hot take for me. Sure. I, I just think that the whole voter turnout thing is corruption is a form of corruption. Yeah. You're, you're, you're with the rest of the Republicans, but okay. But like, what, what would you say in a room full of 10 billionaire Republicans who didn't do, they didn't throw their money where they should have thrown it. And they didn't do the same thing that the leftists did. What would you say to them? Like, I'm, I'm frustrated with them. They have the ability and power to go, to go do the same thing, even the playing field. And they're not doing it because they're too arrogant. Like I've been in rooms with these guys. They're so arrogant. They're so full of themselves. I don't think it's as simple as to just say it's it's leftist corruption. So leftist playing the game that that we should be playing as well. It's not illegal, and I don't think it's morally wrong. We're just not. We just are too arrogant to do it. That's at least what I've seen. I don't know if it's illegal. I do think it's morally wrong. So I, I think it? I think if you're playing a game and you are doing something to win for your team to your team to win, yeah, that all the people in the game don't know and can't know. And how can you, they not know? You found you found a way to hack the system. People did not know about Zuckerberg's where they were going or what they were doing until the election was over. Because because the money could. sloshed around through a bunch of different nonprofits that right. had never had any money before, and then all of a sudden had like thirteen million dollars or forty two million dollars. Yeah, to do quote vote, voter turnout in places like Georgia. Well, I mean, I I don't I just. <laughs> I don't know. I, I mean, can't see I mean, what's that, wrong with that. If general, I had a billion dollars, I would do the same thing. I just have a bunch of nonprofits and, and, and like an advocate for my guy. I mean, that's what they were doing. And yeah, I wouldn't, I wouldn't play the facade of like, Hey, here's a couple bucks to the Republicans or to the Democrats. I'm, I'm a even killed philanthropist. I wouldn't do that. I, I just, I have a hard time seeing what's morally wrong in that. If people don't know what's going on, Maybe they should read some books and get off of TikTok. Like, I, I, yeah, well, okay. So, so first of all, there is the, the dishonesty that they're nonpartisan when they're partisan. Sure, I agree with that. Okay. I think that's dishonesty. I think that's, that's wrong. Yeah, right? I agree with that. I think that if you're going to put money into quote voter voter turnout, when what you're putting money into is Democrat vote turnout, that that's what right. it should be called. Sure. Sure. Um, so I also, you're, so I also you're frustrated think, with the, the de, it's it's deceptive. And I, I yeah, yes. I can also I can one of the that. reasons why it was so successful is because a number of the states just didn't follow their own laws. Hmm. So somebody in power said, we're just going to do the election like this because COVID. And that just I, happened yeah, to right, go along right. really well with with the, with this e- voter turnout thing. Okay, Which let me ask. A really, looks question. like the two are colluding together, right? <laughs> do you do you think that it would be okay then if it said, "Hey, we're we're for Democrat voter turnout. We're trying to get Democrats to vote, and that's what yeah, I'm trying to do." But I'm then Mark I think, it's, then I think I it should be counted as a political contribution, even if it's to a nonprofit. Yeah, really. Yeah, because I, I, I yeah, I just I, I don't think that. I mean, Democrats are the ones who whine and complain about money in politics. That they but think, even they if think money in politics is a corrupting yeah, influence. Right. Okay? And I know that's all bold, uh, bold listen, face lie. To or whatever. a certain extent, I agree with that position. That they, Yeah, that I agree with that position, but because it, they it, don't it, like actually give some people yeah. much greater access to speak than others. Right. Sure. Now, the reality is, is that there's a few people who have all the money in the form of news agencies yes. rather than in the form of money. 
right. who are determining who gets the voice. And that's not fair either, right? So can you really take the money out? I don't know the answer to that question. Okay, Nick, but if they're putting money towards voter turnout, and yeah, they're putting it towards places that have more Democrats, what places have more, like what Republicans aren't voting? Like in the inner cities, the people who aren't voting are Democrat. I, I guess my question is like, let's say the Republicans put like like kind of played that game too and put their money towards where the Republican voters were. Where is that that aren't already voting? This seems to me like they're just more Democrats than there are Republicans. Okay, so on one level, I think there's some truth to that. In that, I think that there's a swath of Democratic voters who, if nobody went out and got them, they wouldn't vote. This is the this is, uh, and I'm just gonna say this. Prob- most likely, like the minority inner cities, Maybe. they're just not gonna do it. I think that that's what it ends up yeah. being. And my view is, my view is that there should be some effort put forward to cast a vote. In general, just without yeah. everybody. Yeah, that's I agree my view. With that. Or it should be like very universal. Yeah, with zero fraud. I think you need to find a way to do it with like zero fraud. And we don't have one of those ways, right? And so that's a problem. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Right. What's with, with fraud voting with so zero fraud? So it's one fraud? thing to say, it's one thing to say an election was stolen. It's another yeah. thing to say that an election is rigged. And then it's a third thing to say that an election is insecure. The voting okay. methods used in the last election, I would argue, were insecure. That is not sufficiently secure that we know the, the person who said that they were voting were voting. They cast one vote and it was a legitimate vote. Yeah. Right. Okay. What about the what about the Google stuff? Like the um, the, the scientist from Virginia that's dem- demonstrated yeah. that Google yeah. has intentionally changed search results to eliminate the negatives of major Democratic candidates and maximize the negatives of Republican candidates. Yeah. And f- among undecided people, that Google can identify yeah. by their previous searches and purchases and so on. Okay. They can my, put my, them in demographic yeah. groups, and they can move yes. those people. Towards Democrats and away from Republicans at an efficiency of 80%, and they do. My argument is this. Do you think that that's okay? Because that's a, a billionaire do, do I think using it's their okay. influence to do what they want to do. Do I think it's okay in the sense of do I think it's moral? Absolutely not. I don't think it's moral. But do I think it's – like what do I expect out of non-Christians who are running multi-billion dollar organizations and controlling the entire internet landscape? Like I don't – like this is my problem. This is my problem with the Republicans is that we say – well, what about this? What about this? What about Facebook doing this? What about Google doing this? What about TikTok doing this? They're all changed, like they're controlling everybody's minds. Okay, where were the conservatives 25 years ago when these social media companies, when the internet was getting big and we had a chance to opt in and create some of these services and these platforms and even out the playing field back then and we weren't because we were still watching freaking cable news. Like part of this is that the Republicans need to get a kick in the butt and realize that the world changes and we need to actually keep up with the changes so that we don't fall way far behind like we are right now and have absolutely no platforms that we're controlling and things are so uneven and all messed up. Because like at the end of the day, what else would I expect out of Google to do? They're run by super progressive billionaires. Like that's what they're going to do. They run this company. I don't like. I, I'm not. I'm not going to Google and expecting them to like give me a bunch of unbiased stuff. I think one of the good things that happened in the last five years was DuckDuckGo came about, and DuckDuckGo was like, "We're going to just put the top search results out there." And it seems like millions and millions of people are using that, and it's a pretty good alternative. I use it, and so 
now we're 20 years later figuring out that we actually could be doing the stuff ourselves and putting out platforms that are that that are better and maybe even like DuckDuckGo is actually like a better platform now are the rep- yeah and, and yeah, Elon I mean, Musk buying Twitter and doing that with Twitter like I, I I have a hard time being so angry at the the liberals for being strategic and being very smart with how they strategically went about the last 25 years with social media and the internet and Republicans still buying newspapers. I'm like, okay, who should be to blame here? Is it that we were way far behind on how, how the world was changing? Or is it that these guys are progressives and they're pushing an ideology? Like, of course, they're going to push their ideology. That's like what people do. That's what billionaires do. That's what rich people who have voices do. They push their ideologies. Yeah. Okay. So let me put this in a different context for you. And I'm not saying this is a direct thing. If I was living in England in like 1874 and the Danes were coming and raping and pillaging their way across England, I would both try to put together an army to fight them and say, this is not how human beings should treat each other. Yeah, and I think we're doing that right now. Right. And but so I, I think I think that we I would should ask say, how did we get here too, right? Because like, we... listen, I don't want elections to become a money blood sport. They're already that in too many ways. I don't want it to become more so. I don't okay. want to, oh listen, we can manipulate people. Let's get Republicans billionaires manipulating people, like Democrats millionaires or billionaires are manipulating people. I don't think that's an improvement. But I mean, okay, maybe it's, my maybe question it's is more even, but how do you do then? What, what do you do? Like, I'm not, I'm not saying that that's what I want to happen, but like, as of right now, the average attention span in, the, in, in, in American is like seven seconds, which is shorter than a goldfish. And so you have elections every four years and, and honestly, every year, every two years, depending on where you live and how involved you are in your local elections. And you have these people who can't think for longer than a goldfish who are supposed to vote on things that are going to change the entire economic and social landscape of their of their town city or state or mm-hmm. country how, how what else are you supposed to do like we, we've we've put ourselves into a position where like i'm not saying this is ideal or good i'm saying yeah. this is where we're at and so yeah, i mean i mean ultimately it, i i agree with like like aei and places like that that are like look we need better solutions and we need to demonstrate those solutions are better we need to we need yeah. to make our arguments with success Yes. Yeah. And however, the part of the problem for true conservatism, not republicanism, but conservatism is mm-hmm. that conservatism is like a fruit tree. Like right, right. It, it grows and is pruned and develops over time. Yeah. The kind of productivity true human conservatism produces is like it's it's like the fruit of long of a long way and doing a number of things correctly, right? It's it's mm-hmm. a fruit of an orchard, not of a not of a lettuce plant, you know? And so part of the issue is is that um, there's so many things seeking to inhibit and erupt, break down the good that conservatism can bring about. And to the extent that sure. that does, it forfeits and miscarries the good that we're trying to attempt. So for example, like right. me staying married to my wife and raising my children in a loving home is essentially a conservative value or thing, idea. Right? Yeah. Yeah. But like my kids are getting bombarded in, by YouTube and like all these other values in the culture around me that are profoundly progressive mm-hmm. and radical in their nature, right? Into the yeah, extent yeah, yeah. which those confuse my kids, it it miscarries the good fruit that my family's meant to produce. That is correct. That is I don't want to just flagellate myself because right. of the parasitic effects on people sucking the blood out of me and my family. Right. It, this gets the same reason why I don't like to just attack the church for all the stuff that's wrong in the Christian church. Yeah. Is there a lot of stuff wrong in the Christian church? Absolutely. Is there, do I want to make it all better? Absolutely. Right. But I'm sick and tired of people just like, this church sucks. Well, the church is getting like assaulted constantly Bombarded. by a bunch yeah. of idiots yes. who right. have no idea what goodness even means and who right, God right, is. Right, 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 right. Does yeah, that make right. sense? So yes. like, I want to make the church stronger. I'm, I'm fighting to do that. I want to cure her 
um, her corruptions. Right. And yet I'm not going to pretend that her, like the culture that is her boyfriend isn't slapping her around. So, okay. So this is my question then isn't, uh, what, what, what direction, what, um, where do you start? Do you start in your family or do you start out in the culture? Like, where do you start? I mean, yeah. this would be the Jordan Peterson's like, make your bed before you right. try to go out and save the right. world. And I think that the Republicans are in a position where we need to make our bed and like, and kind of deal with some of our demons from the past and realize, oh, we've, yeah. we've effed up here, 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 and here. And we should have done things differently here. Kind of repent to those things, whatever, you know, like admit the, uh, our faults, clean yeah. our bed, make our bedroom. And then we'll have a better future set forth for our 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 idea, our idea, ideology, our political philosophy. And I think, yeah, what yeah, we're trying so- to do is we're trying to fight the war without making up for our past sins, and then we keep killing our, ourselves. And like, I I yeah. wish that we made up for our past sins before we tried to go out and fight the war, like because we're just going to keep getting killed. And what feel do you like- think are the main past sins we need to sort out before we can move forward? I I mean, I think I think like. When I even back to like Donald Trump, like the idea that Donald Trump, it, like figuring out what the heck is a conservative is like one of our sins now. Like we mm-hmm. we turn conservatism into republicanism, which is like we don't like the Democrats. So republicanism yeah. right now is we just don't like Democrats. And rather yeah. than saying, here's our line, we draw the line here because we think boys are boys. We're just like if the Repu- Democrats are doing it, then then we don't like it. And that's not a good political philosophy. Conservatism is just the opposite of radicalism right now. Exactly. Right. Then it's, it's really tough. So to me, that's, that's like not a sin in the Bible sense, but it's a sin in in the political sense that like, what are you, what am I, what do we believe in as, as a party and where are we trying to go and what, and, and what infrastructure should we build? And like, what did we miss out on 25 years ago in the internet craze? Like, like that to me is like a political sin like that, that we should have, we should have been in on that. So 25 years ago when Facebook was being built or 20 years ago when Google was being built, we should have been there like, and we weren't there. So that's a problem. That's our fault. We need to be, we need to be conservative in our values and progressive in our innovations. And we weren't progressive in our innovations. And that's why we're, we're, where we're at now. And I think that just making up for some of that crap would like, and just admitting that we did that wrong and then, and then finding a, a true vision and definition for what does it mean to be a conservative in America now? And sticking with that and then finding people who stick by that, that, that philosophy and putting those people out to run for office is what we should do. But right now, if you ask five different conservatives what they mean by being a conservative, you're going to get five different answers. And for somebody like me, it's going to be confusing. Yeah, I I do think that – and I do think part of what gets to this point is that the candidates in the last cycle for Republicans were were, felt pretty weak. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and it almost felt like we were playing the same game of like identity politics. Like I think that's yes, think, exactly. like Hersh- Herschel Walker's fame and that he's yes. a black man yeah. you know, made him this candidate in Georgia. But I don't exactly. think right. I don't think that um and I mean and he was close. I mean, generally close to be to right. being Warnock, but Right. He made some big mistakes there at the end that 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 probably lost him that. Yeah, but I mean but War- Warnock, although I am not a huge fan of his naturally, mm-hmm. um, he's not stupid. Yeah. Yeah. Well, look, I, in Minnesota, I was in, in meetings where people where the Republicans were discussing their frustration with the Republican Party because we didn't pick a black lady to run against somebody like like yeah. the, the same thing that we that they're, they're talking about, like, oh, the stupid. Uh, what, what did you just what is that called? Like, I totally just identity politics. identity politics is so stupid. And we pick people because of what they believe in. And it's like, no, you don't. Behind closed doors, you guys are all trying to find the next person that's the same race as the. Uh, you want to play this game and that's what you're playing. 
Yeah, you don't I care mean, about I mean, the values. I'm, I'm willing to play that game. Like, I mean, like if <laughs> I don't if think I am. I, well, I mean, in this sense, like if the country's like, look, we're gonna we're gonna elect somebody with browner skin. I was like, well, then let's get somebody with browner skin who has that believes what I believe. But then you tell, but that doesn't isn't that like antithetical in some sense that like, hey, you, you're we're picking you like we know your we like your values, but we wouldn't pick you if the culture didn't tell us to. Like I don't know what I'm supposed to. How am I supposed to think? I mean, about it that? is pragmatic. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's stupid. Like, what if there's a, what if there's a, a, the same but, two like, people? But for me, like, I don't really care. So if you're like, okay, Nick, you can have if 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 it, let's say I want a Republican president, right? And I can have Ron DeSantis. Yes. Or I can have Condoleezza Rice, but I'm good. But is. if I if I pick Condoleezza Rice, I get a Republican president, and if I pick Ron DeSantis, maybe I don't. I don't really care. I mean, the difference between those two people is fairly negligible to me as a general voter, right? I mean, who cares? Yeah. So, like, I mean, if Condoleezza Rice could get elected, then great, right? I feel I mean, like, like that, we can't have Thomas Sowell, so right, you know? right, and no, I think Thomas Sowell would be fantastic, except it, for that he's like ninety two, twenty years ago, yeah, 30, yeah. 30 40 years ago, um, yeah, but so I don't know, like. I, listen, I, so to get back to one of your questions, like, what do we do? Doesn't that, do? Ga- that game just seem a little bit racist, though? Like, it just seems a little bit it like... It is racist. Right. But so then why isn't it's that... At least, it's at least prejudicial and bigoted. But isn't this to your... Then my argument back to you would be like what your argument was to me earlier was like against the billionaires controlling everybody's mind. Like, that's the sin. This, this exception is a sin. The racism is a sin. The difference I'm not is gonna play I'm the game. admitting that it's terrible. But you're you're. I'm saying that is racist. Okay, Nick. And if, if the I situation is irredeemably racist, and I and I can either make a play that is also racist, but also Nick. gets a secondary good that I'm in favor of. You I, know that I would rather do that than nothing. You can't. You can't. You cannot say that. That is not. If if it's if if adultery. If we agree that adultery is wrong, but that's the system everybody's playing in. Then I not I'm gonna go get in a go having a like an affair. I, that just doesn't make any sense. That's where conservatism is going off the rails. You just have to say no. I'm not gonna play that stupid game. And if I lose every election because of it, because I'm doing the right thing, then fine. And I'll have to face God, and He'll say, "Okay, yeah, you didn't play that stupid game." Because what yeah, you do, I, what you do as a politician and what you believe as a human being has nothing to do with your race. I just think it's pathetic. I don't care if you're black. I do not care. I do not well, care. I mean, it it doesn't technically have anything to do with your melatonin content, right? Or your melanin content, but it does. But like people of different ethnicities tend to grow up in different cultural clusters, cultures. yeah, which tend to have different like ways, values overlay each other, and sure. are structured. And so, yeah. like, it is going to be the case that people of yeah. different ethnicities are going to be more likely to believe one thing rather than another because yeah, of their ethnicity. I, and they're going to be more that. likely to have had certain cultural experiences and understand different dynamics because of their ethnicity. Yeah, I, I I can get behind that in some sense, but I just don't think that we should be again like the the variances between within uh, race, like within race and culture. I mean, you could you could pull you know three or four black guys and you could ask them all the same question. You might get three or four different answers, and it, they all might be generally connected to a similar conservative principle. But out of those three people, maybe I have a preference as to which one I would want to be the president. You know, and like I, I just think that it's more, yeah. as dare I say, more nuanced than just the the cultural and, ra- and racial differences in people. And I think that this sure. is one of the lies that Americans have been fed: is that like. The race matters because the culture matters. And to me, it's like, no, like, like the race doesn't matter 
like that doesn't even make sense. What matters about the person is their values and their core principles and what they believe is absolutely true and what they believe isn't true. And so if I'm like, I'm not, I don't, I'm not interested in playing the call. Like I don't care what your cultural no. beliefs are. I care about what your individual beliefs are. I feel like the identity politics do matter in this sense that if, if I was a black dude, right. And there was a black dude who could be president. I, I might think, okay, when he goes to Washington, there's going to be 150 million priorities that he's going to be sorting through. And right. so there's going to be a ton of stuff he's just going to forget about. Mm-hmm. And then some stuff he's not going to forget about. Yeah, right. And so which of these candidates is likely to not forget about me and what I'm thinking about in my needs? Right. And the answer is to me, probably the person who looks the most like me. And right? so that's you, because you. Be, I know where that comes from, obviously, because people are like tribalistic and gen, like that's kind of how that works. But that shouldn't be the ideal. Like, I understand. But like if but like if some black dude in Charleston was like, look, Nick, you ran for the Senate in South Carolina. I just didn't feel like I could. Or let, let's say Milwaukee. Let's say I ran here. Right. And, and some guy in Milwaukee is like, dude, I got nothing against you, but I didn't vote for you. I voted for the black dude who's running against you because I just, you know, you never grew up in. The suburb, yeah. the, you know, these, these, these neighborhoods in Milwaukee, you just don't know what it's like. And so I'm just, I think you're going to forget about me. And I would be like, listen, I want your vote, but like, I understand where you're coming from. I, and I think I could get, I, I think I would say something similar to that, but I would also challenge them and be like, look, dude, what are your core principles and values? I mean, the great thing about like Christianity and is that the, well, the thing that unites all races and, and gent and and male and female and all races and everybody from different places is that we believe the same thing and, and that our, our, our cultural prejudices are not actually what is defining who we are as human beings. What's defining who we are as human beings is our, our core principles and fundamental beliefs in Jesus as Christians. And I think the same thing can be said about political philosophy. I think like, yeah, at, 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 a, at, a, at, I believe like a more shallow level than, than a theology, because I think Christianity is a deeper, understanding of the world but i i don't i'm not i, I see i, I i'm not sure about that the christianity is a deeper understanding of the world or no what, that like thing? that it's our beliefs that make us different because like what are you preaching on at john that's like the whole thing that you've been asking well, no, what our, do you, what our, do you our believe? beliefs will determine our salvation but yeah. like like if you take somebody who's like i'm gonna vote for the democrat next time like like when i talk to people yeah and i say listen who are you going to support? And they say, well, I'm going to be, I'm going to support Democrat. And I say, well, why are you going to do that? And they're like, well, because you can't trust the Republicans and the Democrats are the only people who are sane. Now, the reason they think that, okay, or it could be the other way around. Republicans yeah. saying like, look, yeah. the Democrats are crazy, right? And if you, and if you go, okay, look, why do they think that? And the answer is not because, because I believe in justice, but they believe in equity or something like we're functioning from basically the same values. They just think that the state of play is that the Democrats are more righteous. Like right, but the, the, you, but you, they can be trusted and Republicans can't. And so they vote for the Democrat. But you, 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 and I, I mean, you wouldn't say this. Here's what I would say is I'd be like, look, one of the, like, I mean, I could give you two point blank. I guess if this, are you, are you talking about a Christian that you're talking to? Yeah, I mean, partially, but I, I mean, I'm, I'm not saying that, just a person that ideology general. doesn't make a difference. It does. No, no, but, but like, there's, there's, ser- but a big part serious- of it is like what you believe is happening. The details yeah. of what you believe yes. is happening. Yes, and you could be totally wrong in that. And I don't, Correct. and I have no, I don't have sympathy for people who are wrong in what they they believe is happening. If yes, your perspective but a lot of is what, off, a lot of what I use to determine that 
is my own horse sense that I've developed in a highly human profession for 25 years. And so yeah, when I look at people in the public sphere and I say like that person is clearly a craven liar and other people yeah. don't seem to see it. I, like this is just the area of highest sophistication for me. This is like, this is like no, my no, whole no. life. Yeah, no, it's I figuring get, out I get like that. who to believe, who to trust, who, who's lying to you, all that. Right. Yeah. And I, and I think that people actually can develop that if they want to. And I think that a lot of people don't want to develop that. They want to sit in ignorance and not deal with the fact that people are lying to them all the time. Mm-hmm. And they want to believe the person that's going to give them the most, the, the most cultural credit. And so if I have to vote for a Democrat, because if I tell them I'm voting for a Republican, because all my friends, or my friends are all going to be frustrated with me, then I'm going to just vote for the Democrat because that's easier. Even though I know that this person is more slimy and and disgusting and doing terrible, terrible things over here. Like I don't have, like I, I don't think, and maybe this is the cult, this is the generational difference between you and me. But the people my age who are voting Democrat, I think that they're mostly doing it because if they don't, they're going to be ostracized culturally, and they don't want to deal with that. They're way too anxious and way too insecure and way too fr- like confused as a individual to be able to make a stance on a value system and stick by it, even if it means they're going to lose everything for it. And I think that that's the true mark of a coward. Like, and I think that my generation is full of much of cowards. And so for me, it's like, if I lose all my friendships and if I lose all my relationships, because I believe that it is wrong to murder babies, I'm like, I think I'm willing to take that. Now you have to figure out which ones, which uh, things you're willing to die on that hill and things like that. But, mm-hmm. And I, I'm tr- still going to have to figure that out as a 23-year-old. But for sure, yeah. murdering little babies is a, hill, is a hill that I'm willing to die on because I'm, I'm not like a morbid, super confused human being. Yeah. Yeah, listen, I, I have a really hard time with, you know, because I want to understand other people and why they think the way they do. And I do. Have Would a you really be saying time. this if you weren't a pastor? That's my question. It, like, Same how much what? of this is the, all this stuff they say? Is this just is this how you think as Nick Gibson, or is this like Nick Pastoral Nick Gibson? You what know, you, like, if, what do you mean by this? Like, like your your kind of empathy and the compassion towards people who are not totally understand, like, kind of led astray and don't fully see what's going on. Like you, is this just you? Is this just how you are, or um, because for me, I just have a hard time finding any empathy towards those people because I feel like they're choosing not to figure out what's happening in the world rather than they just I know, kind of. Like, so some of the people I know that vote predominantly Democrat can make really good arguments for it. Yeah, in ways that I think make some good sense. Sure. And um, I think that's the case for some points. I don't think that's, I mean, I've never heard a case for abortion that I thought was compelling. Right. Um, but like certain arguments about um, margin, how marginal tax rates function as certain kinds of, as they function as certain kinds of like um, redistributions to create an educational means of resetting um, educational like uh, wealth differences and so on. Like there's right. there's certain arguments that are progressive in nature that I think have some plausibility. I, I think a lot of this does yeah. come down to like us having different facts, and, right? Right, and that and that figuring, just is really frustrating for me. Yeah, right. Having different facts and and that and that what you mean by that is not that there's two different things that are absolutely true. Sometimes that's true, but that like <laughs> like like the fact being like this my fact and the other person's fact don't agree like they're just if they're both true that that's impossible 
what do they? I don't know what you'd call that. Yeah, or like it, they, they seem like they seem like they shouldn't both be able to be true at the same time. Yeah, and so yeah. either that one of them is false, or yeah. or I don't understand them, or, or the way yeah. that these news people, yeah. the way the people are using this, yeah. Yeah. is deceptive. Like yeah. the, the 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 factoid is correct, but it's not. Yeah. It has yeah. no context. Yeah. Right. It's and one of yeah. things I think I think I think it, I think it is a lie. In fact, we've put this in like our optive stuff. That yeah. like if you use something that is true to leave yes. an impression that is false. Right. That is a lie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And yeah. I, I don't I don't think people live up to that standard anymore. They think that no, if they I can agree. quote something that's true, yes, right. that makes their point, even and if pigeonhole somebody into yeah, slightly right. more of a careful question, clearly right. would show that they're wrong. Yeah. They're not obligated to do that. I, yeah. and, I, and that for me yeah. is like that's like like the gun oh, discussion man. gender pay inequalities a lot yeah. of these discussions are like there are these like factoids that seem to prove something and, and if you dig a little deeper it's like yeah but mm-hmm. if you dig just one step deeper it's not correct right right yeah and no so, i told i told i totally agree with that and i, I mean we got to one, one of the areas of discussion for the for me for this was was guns because some years ago a, a scholar named john lott wrote some stuff about like how guns actually decrease crime having, having yes, broadly yeah, in the population yeah. and how um, the concealed carry thing was like catching on in America and a lot right. more people were carrying weapons and, and crime rates were going down, but crime rates in some ways were already going down. It was their correlation or was it causation, all that kind of stuff. And so what I did is I went back and forth five times. So I read lot and then I read criticisms of lot. Right. And then I read lots answers to those criticisms. Wow. And then I read the answers to his answers. Mm-hmm. And then I read his answers to those answers. Mm-hmm. And then I read their answers to his answers. Yeah. That's about as much <laughs> as I could find online. Right. And it was imminently clear to me. Yeah. By the third step in that process that he was right. Yeah. That he had done his homework. His data was clear. He understood the data clearly. He was applying it correctly. And the mm-hmm. other people were poking holes in crap they didn't understand. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And from and, and he's called broadly on the internet now a quote discredited gun advocate or something like that. Wow. But like, but it's like, but because nobody goes through those five steps. And like, so mm-hmm. I chose to do it because let me just take this process through. Yeah. And so the dishonesty that I found was really profound. Now, in some cases, that'll happen the other way too, because the liberal person will be talking about something they've really studied. Mm-hmm. And a Republican will think, well, I can just tear this apart in two minutes. And they just quote something at them. Mm-hmm. And if you take that one back and forth. Yeah. Yeah. The liberal person will prove to be correct. Yeah, and that's yeah, one yeah, of the reasons yeah, why yeah. I mean, you know this about me. What that's one of the reasons why I tend to read things from think tanks, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. liberal and conservative. But like people whose ideas have been tested, they've yeah. given the ideas in symposiums, they've been critiqued and criticized, and you can read both sides of them. Um, mm-hmm. Because I think research tends to be treated much more fairly in contexts like that. Sure. But but then you still have this other problem of the vast majority of research dollars is going to very, very progressive universities mm-hmm. that now have DEI statements even in the application for research. Mm-hmm. And it's being given to extremely progressive people to ask mm-hmm. extremely progressive questions, to research very progressive things. And so you're just going to get this like effluence of <coughs> progressive, quote, facts that come from this research. Right. Even though like I would object to half of the research in the premises on which it's conducted right. and the other like, you know, it's kind of like, yeah, like how we can be in 2023 and not have a utterly definitive set of studies on masking and thing and diseases like COVID. Mm. 
We still well, don't. They, yeah, they, I mean, the New York Times did put out about a couple months ago the the Oxford study on whether or not uh, cloth masks oh, actually prevented like, coronavirus from getting through. And that the Cochrane report or a different one? I believe Cochrane. I mean, is that is that the one that said that that the COVID vaccine was small enough to fit through the fit through the cloth mask? I mean, because that stuff came out years and years ago. Yeah, a ago. lot of people said that, right? Yeah, and 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 like three or four months ago, the New York Times finally decided to report on it after years yeah. of basically lying to people. I mean, I think it was lying to people or intentionally deceiving people into believing that the cloth masks were actually doing something yeah. because people were saying this years ago. Yeah, and you know, one of the things that when I went when I said some public things about that in like 2021, when I thought it was pretty clear, yeah. I got um, people who are more liberal sending me studies that seemed to show a strong correlative effect within schools that the mm-hmm. use of masks was decreasing transmission. And so like was it, it, it was puzzling. Cambridge? I don't know. I don't know what Cochrane is associated with. But, but that study that came out later, like in the last few months, that was like an assessment of all the studies that were done. I think mm-hmm. it, like it showed that the the correlation with mask use and decrease in um, people getting disease was much was like basically non-existent. But like what in 2021, we were going through the school question. I was getting people sending me stuff and like it, it was it was studies that I couldn't really take apart. I mean, it's kind of like, yeah, it looks like there's a correlation there. Mm-hmm. And even mm-hmm. our own principal here at High Point Christian School said, look, it, it felt like. When we were doing all those things, not just the masks, but like distancing, separating into classrooms and so on, it didn't seem like we were getting a lot of transmission at school, even mm-hmm. when we got cases of COVID. So yeah. some of the that's what some of these scientific questions are kind of difficult to pursue. And that's why having the ideological divide that's so absolutely strong, I just feel like it it, it can't help but infect the clarity of the science, which makes it even harder for us to get along. No, I, I think I agree with that. I, I just think there there are certain like fundamental objective truths that need to be agreed upon by both sides for us to be able to debate in good faith sometimes. And yeah, and that's where I I'm like, like I, I'm, I'm with, like, I'm, I'm like, start, we're going to start a podcast in about a month now um, with me and a, a guy who's definitely a, a liberal and mm-hmm. a Democrat. And I want that to be as unifying and as, debative yeah. as possible and so i'm i'm yeah, all for I, that but there's got to be fundamental disagree like there's going to be fundamental yeah. things that we just don't agree on right like like what are facts where do we get definitions exactly. for things can right. you know, like are we do we have to define words clearly yes do right. we have to tell the truth yeah right yeah but i th- i think there are a lot of people willing to do that yeah there are oh, people totally. so swallowed up in either mm-hmm. the gazemanship of winning on the right or the idea that all words are mm-hmm. really just power claims and should be used for advocacy on the left Right, they just don't right. seem to care about that or yeah. it's more venial than that and more shallow than that. Even it's not even ideological. It's just personal. Yeah. But I think that, I think that people learn quickly that you can't listen to people like that. No, I, 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 uh, may, maybe I, I will see how my generation shapes up. It feels like we, we are not figuring that out right now. Yeah. Um, but th- there was a, and I can, I can link this in the bottom and then we can, we can f- uh, finish this. There was a, New York Times in February 21st, 2023, it said the mask mandates uh, did nothing. Will any lessons be learned? And um, I don't know. I can. That was a Times article. Yeah. So, okay. So Jefferson and 11 colleagues conducted the study for Cochrane, a British nonprofit. Okay. So it wasn't connected. Yeah. Cochrane is supposed to be like the gold standard and Cochrane didn't literally say the masks didn't do anything. They just said what scientists do say, which is, 
we couldn't find any effect. Right. <laughs> so right. It, it said, leads you to conclude they did nothing. Jefferson and 11 co- colleagues conducted the study for Cochrane, a British nonprofit, blah, blah, blah. Uh, the conclusions were based on 78 randomized controlled trials, six of them during the COVID pandemic, with a total of 610,872 participants in multiple countries. Uh, and they track what has been widely observed in the United States. States with mask mandates fared no better than co- against COVID than with those without. Yeah. That was kind of the conclusion. And that's, yeah, that means those, those graphs were out in 21. I know. Right? know. It's just people who wore masks, the spike tracked like a little bit after. Right. Yeah, it was bad. Right. Yeah. Okay. We, we should wrap up. We should wrap up. Right. Um, okay. So. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know how to conclude this. Uh, yeah, I think the answer is for people who want to see conservatism in the most, in the best sense, which we didn't really define. But right. I think I, in the I, sense I, yeah. of like, um, as human, as humane a view of human mm-hmm. relations, which includes yeah. the honoring and respo- the honoring of each other and the responsibilities that we have for yeah. each other in close relationships mm-hmm. of loyalty and mutual responsibility. Mm-hmm. Sure. And that that is the basis of human society and life right. and so a bunch of other things. And that, that is to be preserved, therefore cons- conservative. Preserved, comes. yeah. Preserved yeah. and um, transmitted. And transmitted. That, that yeah. it is yeah, good yeah. to be preserved and transmitted. That that, and for, and for me, the content of that is going to be Christian faith and, eth- and ethics. I agree. That's the heart yeah. of what I'm seeking yeah. to conserve and transmit as well as yes. to progressively speaking reform mm-hmm. where reforms are needed. Right. Yeah, right but there right. is a core that I'm trying to conserve and transmit. Right. right. And in that sense, I'm a conservative. Right. And for instance, is, William Wilberforce is a great example of somebody who is conserving right. biblical principle, uh, principles and ethics and, and progressing in, in his, in his reformation and to abolish slavery for the time. Right. I mean, that's, right, right, that's right, exactly yeah. what we want to be like as Christians, I think. Yes. Politically. Yeah. Even Martin Luther thought he was going back to the fathers and yes. conserving yeah. the real right. Christian gospel and then mm-hmm. reforming the present. There's a lot, yeah, lots of examples of that. Yeah. So I would say in order to do that, but here's the thing in America, we're going to have to do everything all at once. Mm-hmm. Because if you say, well, we got to get, we got to like focus on our own families. Okay. Well, it'll be too late on for everything else. Like mm-hmm. we've, we've got to kind of do everything all at the same time. There's going to have to be lawsuits. There's going to have to be like election plans. There's going to have mm-hmm. to be marriage seminars. There's going to have to be everything. Else. Everybody's yeah. going to have to do yeah. their part. And right. I, I, I believe, and, and this is something I've been thinking about just over the last couple of months, because I think like what really has to happen? Because mm-hmm. people have been talking about like a cultural civil war is going to happen. I know. I know. And yeah. my answer is no, I don't think so. Well, I mean, that could happen. Right. But if we, what it I doesn't think, have to happen. I actually, the, the metaphor in my mind is much more like the civil rights. Like we'll, we'll have to, Massively, firmly protest nonviolently. Yeah, I agree with in that. In a new right. kind of way. Right. And so and I'm in just a, not in sure. a sophisticated enough way. We need to know what we're talking about. We need to be very well studied and we need to know what the other side's points are. Like, we can't play the TikTok game. We can't, like, just be looking at 30 second clips. We have to be prepared. And I think that that's going to be difficult for yeah. this generation. Yeah. 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 Sure. Okay. So, so uh, we'll wrap this thing up. Um, this is obviously a bonus episode. We're just talking about a bunch of random stuff. If you like these episodes, I mean, we could, I don't know, Nick and I could work something out. Let me know if you guys like this stuff. If you don't, we'll never do it again. If you do, maybe we can try to do it a little bit more often and just give our opinions on, on political and whatever, whatever is really going on in the world and kind of just do more randomized Joe Rogan type type stuff. Maybe once or <laughs> twice, twice a year. Or something. I, I can talk about psychedelics for an hour if you want. We should actually talk. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know what your takes are. And I don't want a bunch of freaking Gen Zers who need to stop doing drugs to start doing drugs. Um, yeah. So, 
Okay, so yeah, so if you like this, let me know. Uh, make sure you like, subscribe, share this with your friends. Give us a five-star rating. Leave a review, and we'll see you guys in the next one. Goodbye.